wonderful music. Yes, it's a little loud, wasn't it? Did that come across too loud? Okay, all right. I sure enjoy being here. I always love to come. My wife and I were excited about uh, as, it, as it's getting nearer to come, and so we've, uh, we are so uh, appreciative of this church, and I uh, kind of just feel like our, our second home church here, you know, and, and uh, love your pastor and his family, and I just always look forward to the, the time we get to fellowship. Some we talk on the phone every now and then, and, and always enjoy that, but it's uh, just good to be here, and and uh, so grateful for it. I sure want to encourage you to be back uh, tonight. Now, uh, I haven't, uh, I haven't been here. It's been two years, and uh, I, I do, I, I don't have any new sermons, but I have new titles. <laughs> and so, I hope that you'll come back uh, tonight. Really, my wife's been working on a sermon for me to preach. I'm not sure when I'm going to preach it, but uh, you know, just kidding. But uh, so glad that you're here this morning and looking forward to the next few nights together. And, and really, I know your preacher. I know his heart and uh, liking unto my heart. I, I don't want to go a place and just have a, a little um, spiritual social club. Amen. I want God to do something. And I hope that's what's in your heart. And uh, that you'll be out each night and just say, dear God, do something in my heart. I agree with you, preacher. I think our time's short, and that's exciting to me. Uh, but I, I, I sure want to finish my course, and uh, I sure want to be faithful and fruitful until I see him. And uh, I think it's a wonderful time for us to, to shine the light of the gospel. And uh, there's so many people that have needs, so many people that are concerned. And, uh, and it's, it's time that we just get serious and uh, busy and faithful. And who knows? Uh, the Lord knows his timing. Uh, but there's been uh, a lot of great Christians who've uh, had to suffer some persecution. We've been spoiled in America. And uh, so it's, it's really time that we get serious about our Christianity. Amen. And so I hope that you'll be out each of the nights. I want you to open your Bibles this morning, if you would, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians 12. I guess on Tuesday is supposed to be the first presidential debate if it happens. And uh, so you can find out about the results after the service. Amen. Uh, so, so come anyway. And uh, so that, yeah, this, this is an interesting year. And uh, a friend of mine said, man, this will be the, this is the, be the first year that my uncle has ever voted Democrat. He died five years ago, and so and I couldn't resist that. I'm already in trouble. Second Corinthians chapter 12, please. Preacher, do you usually stand for the scripture? Or do you? Okay, if that's your custom. Let's stand. Second Corinthians chapter 12. Of course, many of us know if you know a little bit about your Bible that. Uh, this is where the Apostle Paul, he's being used of the Holy Ghost of God. He's writing to this church in Corinth that he loved and he had helped in, in their beginning. And, uh, and he's writing back to them. They had a lot of problems. It was considered a very carnal, worldly type of church that had a lot of things Paul had to write back and correct. And, uh, and now he's in, in the second uh, letter that he's writing to them. And he enumerates in chapter 11 all of these trials and perils that he went through. 
And then he says on top of all these trials and perils, there was the care of all the churches. And then he tells us he's afflicted with a thorn in the flesh. And he cries out to the Lord three times for God to remove that thorn in the flesh. And God said no. Isn't that amazing? You see, some folks teach that if you just command God to heal you, that he will. But that's not biblical. That's not found in the Bible. Great apostle Paul asked God to heal him and God said no. He had a purpose for that. But notice it says in 2 Corinthians 12, look at verse 6. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then am I strong. I want you to see the Lord's reply to Paul. He said unto me, my grace is sufficient. All that you'll need, Paul, my grace. Never too little, never too much, never too soon, never too late, sufficient. My grace is sufficient for thee. Go in your Bibles, if you would, over to Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4, we see that the church, after the day of Pentecost, is beginning to not just add, but multiply. Souls are being saved. God worked in such a way in their hearts that they said, hey, we're, we're just going to bring everything we don't need and leave it at the apostles' feet, and they can distribute that to the poor and the needy. And uh, they didn't even have a, a, a um, stewardship conference to do that. Amen? Just the Lord working in their hearts. And it says in, in uh, verse 32 of Acts, or I'm sorry, verse 30, uh, I'm sorry, verse 32 of Acts chapter 4. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul, neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Go now to chapter 11 of Acts. And here's when Barnabas was sent to Antioch, and this is the place they were first called Christians. Their testimony of life was such that they named them Christians, followers of Christ. And it says in verse 23, who when he came had seen the grace of God, He saw such a work in their lives. It says he saw the grace of God. I want to preach for a little bit this morning on amazing grace. Would you pray with me please? Our Lord, we sure need you. Songs have blessed my heart this morning. Lord, I hope they they pleased you. So we exalted your name and Lord, we know we're just nothing, Lord, without thee. 
We thank you for this church, for its testimony, for this man of God and his faithfulness and his family. And Now, Lord, we ask as, as your people have gathered this morning, Lord, they didn't come to hear me. They came, Lord, because they want to hear from thee. And so please, I ask thee that you do a work in hearts. And Lord, in a crowd this size, mighty good chance there's somebody here that if they died this minute, they're not sure they'd go to heaven. I pray you draw that heart to come to understand that you loved them enough you sent Jesus to die for them and that they could be saved and know it without a doubt according to the scripture. Know that they'll spend eternity in heaven, so draw that heart. For those of us that are saved, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. And Spirit of God, you'd do a work in such a way that it'd make an eternal difference. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. After Paul petitioned his Lord three times, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient. He said concerning those Christians that were seeing revival consistently in the book of Acts, he said, and great grace was upon them all. And Barnabas saw those wonderful testimonies of those Christians in Antioch. It says he saw the grace of God. There was a boy that was born in London in 1725. His mother was a Christian. His mother took her son to church from the time he was very, very young. But his dad was not a believer and his dad was was not interested in any kind of spiritual uh, things. And so the mother would faithfully taught the boy Sunday school uh, stories, Bible stories. uh, But she died just two weeks before the boy turned seven years old. His father wasn't religious. And so in a short time, the boy, by the time he was 11, his father had had great influence on him and already had introduced him to a seafaring life. His father was in the shipping business and a drinker and partier. And, and so the young man grew up wild and became a heavy drinker, got involved in the slave trade. At 23 years old, A violent storm hit the ship he was on. It was so fearful that the men thought for sure that they would die. And this young man remembered the Bible stories his mother had taught him when he was young. And so he cried out to the God that he had learned about as a boy. And God saved him. God spared his life. The boy began to see over time his life changed for the Lord and, and eventually became a pastor. In 1773, he wrote, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Some have defined grace as God's riches at Christ's expense, that acrostic. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's good, but I want to tell you, it wasn't just at Christ's expense. It was also at the expense of his father. For God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. Webster defined grace in two ways I, I like. It's first, uh, he defined grace as God's unmerited or free unmerited favor. And then the second definition is the divine influence on renewing the heart and restraining from sin. You see, we get saved by God's unmerited favor towards us. It's free. We continue in our Christian life and His divine influence of grace 
will renew our hearts restraining from sin. You see, the, the, the grace of God will continue once you're saved to work in your heart and put the desire in your heart to do the right thing in any given situation. There's no subject of the Bible more precious than that of the grace of God. There's no meditation that's so rich as the grace of God. There is no subject with such challenging depth to study as the grace of God. The old preacher that's in heaven now, Dr. Harold Seitler, used to say to tell of the grace of God is like trying to hug a mountain. And that's pretty accurate. You see, mercy is what prevents us from getting what we deserve. We all deserve hell. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. I want you to consider with me this morning as we consider this amazing grace. I think perhaps the best illustration of God's grace we find in the Old Testament with King David. And David had now become king. His predecessor Saul and you know David had a wonderful relationship with Jonathan, Saul's son. And, uh, and when Saul and Jonathan died in battle, then David had already been anointed to be king. Now he became king, and, and yet uh, the, the big portion of Israel didn't want to recognize David as king for about seven years. And then now by this point he's become the king over all the land. And David calls for this servant in the palace. His name was Ziba. He said, Ziba, he says... Uh, he said, I want to do some favor to Jonathan's household. He and Jonathan were best of friends. And he said, has anybody left of Jonathan's household? And Ziba said, well, there's just one that uh, is Jonathan's son, but he's crippled. He's, he's, his, he lives down in Lodabar. And his name is Mephibosheth. Well, Mephibosheth was... At five years old, when word came about Saul and Jonathan's death and his nurse that took care of him uh, uh, was trying to run and, 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 and get to a place of safety and the little boy somehow fell and, and, he, and had severe damage done to where he was crippled. And he could not run, he could not walk and so he'd been living down in Lodabar all of this time. He's now somewhere in his teenage years. And he said, so there's Mephibosheth down there. And David said, I want you to go fetch him. Bring him to the king's palace. I mean, can you imagine? Understand, Lodabar was the lowest of the low places to live. I mean, it wasn't just where poor people lived. It was the slums. It was the deepest of, of poverty. And, and here's where Mephibosheth had been living. Can you just picture the king's chariot coming through Lodabar? I mean, they must have been, what in the world? The king's chariot must have made a wrong turn somewhere. What is he coming through Lodabar? Can you imagine when the servant got out and he came up and they opened the door and that crippled boy says, you must have the wrong address, sir. Oh no, you don't understand. The king sent me. And he sent me for you. And I'm sure that boy must have looked at him and said he couldn't mean me. I have nothing to offer. 
My legs can't march for the king. I can't work for the king. I can't go to battle for the king. You must have made a mistake. He said, no, there's no mistake made. The king sent me to pick you up and move you to the palace to live in his presence for the rest of your life. Can I tell you, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Look at Romans chapter 5 with me. Romans chapter 5, verse 15. It says, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense... Of many one be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. I want you to notice five things as we consider this amazing grace. Illustrated so clearly by David's grace to reach down to Lodabar and rescue Mephibosheth. Number one, I want you to understand God's grace meets you right where you're at. He'll meet you right where you're at. He didn't say, hey, Mephibosheth, if you'll, you know, clean up some and, you know, let's go through some uh, therapy and see if we can make you somewhat useful for the king. That's not what happened. He just came and said, the king wants you. I want to tell you, I'm so grateful to God that he sent his servant, the Holy Ghost of God, to come down to San Dimas, California, when as a boy, a preacher's kid, needed to be saved. He came and spoke to my heart. Yeah, you know, I was a preacher's kid. You'd say, well, man, you already knew all about the Lord. I want to tell you something. It's not enough to know up here. You see, the devil knows and he trembles. It's not about a head knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's a heart relationship with Jesus Christ. And God convicted my heart. I knew I was as rotten as anybody. And I asked the Lord to forgive me and save me. And I'm so grateful that his grace came to visit a young boy in San Dimas, California. Charlotte Elliott wrote, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. You see, God doesn't require you to clean up to get saved. God doesn't re ask you to what you have to offer. He doesn't ask you to, to, that you have to join the church in order to get saved. You've got to be baptized in order to get saved. You need to live from here on without any sin in your life, because none of us can do that. He said, I gave my own son Jesus Christ to die at Calvary. He shed his blood for you because man is a sinner. And man has no ability on his own to come to live in the presence of the king. But I have paid the price with the blood of my own son. Shed at Calvary. Rose again the third day. Conquered sin. Conquered death. Now offers to you a free gift. That's what the scripture says. A gift. Can I tell you something? If you think you got to earn it, it's not a gift. A gift is something you can only receive. He paid for it. It's free. I weary of all the religions that try to convince people they got to do something in order to get to heaven. You got to go through classes of confirmation. You got to go through this. You got to do that. You got to do this. Can I tell you something? That's not in the Bible. The only way that man can come to Christ is because of a free gift by God's grace. 
Not that we're worthy. But He offers it if you're willing to receive it. And I'm telling you, if you're sitting here this morning, it's not enough for you to come to church. It's not about you turning a new leaf over in life. It's not about you going through some motions in order to, to earn God's favor. No, grace is a fact that He gave it out of love. It's free to you. But you have to come with a sincere heart, acknowledging that you are a sinner and that you, you don't deserve it, but that you're ready to receive it and accept Jesus Christ to come into your heart and life. Grace. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. That's amazing, isn't it? Doesn't say he so loved the perfect. He, he said he so loved the world. Pathetic, putrid, sinful, wicked world. Unmerited, unearned, undeserved. It's grace. He meets you where you are. Number two, I want you to see. God's grace can take you where you could never go on your own. Mephibosheth had no way to go to the palace and live there. There's no way that he had any ability to get to the king's palace and sit at his table each and every day. You can read it in 2 Samuel chapter 9. It's amazing how many times the king said, and he shall eat at my table the rest of his life. He says it over and over. He shall eat bread with the king. Mephibosheth could not get there on his own, but grace will take you where you can't go on your own. Apostle Paul, with all the churches he started and all the souls that have been saved, isn't it amazing? He never, at the end of his life in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he never lists all of the great statistics of his ministry. That interesting? He never tells Timothy, well, this is how many I saw saved and how many I saw baptized and how great these churches were that I started. Never mentions that preacher. In fact, Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Paul said, there was nothing in me that was so wonderful. It's God's grace that did a work in my life to take me place I never thought I could go on my own. And I'm going to tell you, the grace of God can take you where you never thought you could go. The old devil tells you, yeah, well, if I give my heart to the Lord, I could never be much. I mean, look what I've done, look what I am, you know, and all that. But I'm going to tell you, the grace of God can take you where you never thought you could go on your own. You'd be amazing if you knew, amazed if you knew all the stories behind the lives of those who are preaching the gospel. You'd be amazed if you knew all the stories behind the lives of those teaching Sunday school. The grace of God that has brought them from nothing to being used of God. It's not us. It's not our ability. We have nothing to offer. It's the grace of God that does a work to take us where we never could go on our own. There was a young man in Texas. He, he was so vile and so wicked. His language was so filthy that lost men would make him get out of his car and walk to work. He was involved in all kinds of wicked things and pornographic things and all of that kind of stuff. And he got married and just wasn't long until his young wife said, I can't take it anymore. Either you go to church with me or we are absolutely done. So reluctantly he went to church. He's sitting in the back with his wife on Sunday morning, young preacher pastoring his very first church. He got up and he began his sermon, began to preach. And man, the longer he preached, the more that guy was getting mad. He said to his wife, you told him everything about me. She said, I didn't tell him nothing. 
By the end of the service that got in the car, he was flaming mad. He said, I'm never going back. That loudmouth preacher was preaching at me. He knew everything you told him. She said, I didn't tell him nothing. They got home that afternoon. She was a little discouraged, thinking, well, he'll never go back. That afternoon, he says to his wife, he said, listen, I want you to get ready. We're going tonight. She said, going where? He said, I want to go back to that church and see if he yells about the same kind of stuff again. <laughs> Went back that night. He was sitting back there. The preacher didn't get through point one of his sermon. And he stood up and he walked down that aisle. And that young preacher just stunned. He said, sir, can I help you? What's the problem? He said, he said the problem is I need to get saved. And I need to get saved right now. The young preacher didn't know what to do. He went down and knelt with him. And he said, folks, you just have to wait. And he, he dealt with him at the altar. And that young man got saved when he got off his knees. There were about seven or others standing there waiting to get saved. Wasn't very long the preacher said to that young man, he said, listen, I believe God wants to do something with your life. He said, I believe the Lord wants you to be a preacher. He said, he said no, you don't understand. You, you know my reputation? My reputation, everybody knows who I am and what I've been. He said, I'm not talking about who you are and what you were before. I'm talking about who you are now. I believe the Lord wants to do something with you. That young man is now in his 80s, maybe 90. Last I heard, he was still preaching. I'm just telling you, the grace of God can take you where you could never go on your own. Amen. We can go over and over. You've had the evangelist Dennis Coral come here. He's a dear friend of mine. Brother Coral told me one time, Booth, all of the, the stuff that I was involved in, all the different drugs and things I took, I knew it would take a miracle of the grace of God to work through the Word of God to clean up my mind. And if you've heard him and you've read his books, you know what the miracle God has done. It's the grace of God. It's able to take you where you could never go on your own. Romans 6.14 says, Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law but under grace. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 2.1 says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you something, dear friend? You can look at every preacher and thank God preachers have been used of God to influence and you may look and say, wow, what a tremendous... I'm telling you, we're nothing. We're nothing but flesh no different than anybody else. It's the grace of God. If anything's been done for eternity in any of our lives, it's because of the grace of God. The grace of God can take you where you don't... Well, I got this habit. I just can't get over it. Yes, you can. If you're saved, I'm telling you, the grace of God can pull you through that. Number three, I want you to see that God's grace can provide for you what you could never have on your own. You look at Mephibosheth now, a crippled boy. Living with royalty. Sitting at the table with the king every meal. I think sometimes folks hear the preaching and sometimes I think young people hear the preaching and you think, I don't know if I could ever live that, that, that way. I, I, don't, I don't know that I could ever do all that. I, I don't know, you know, the preacher gets preaching on, on tithes and we think, I, man, I don't know if I can give 10%. My oldest son just led his father-in-law, mother-in-law to the Lord. They're Cajun Cajuns. Come from a rough, rough background. They just got saved a, a, about a month and a half ago. My son was telling, telling me, he was talking to him, he says, what's this tithing stuff? 
I'm talking, you, if you know Cajuns, they don't let loose of their money very easy. He said, what's, all, what's this tithe? He said, well, it's, you know, it's 10%. He said, 10%? That's a lot of money. <laughs> My son said, well, it's just about doing what the Lord wants. Finally, Tim told me, he said, my father-in-law said, I, I tried that tithing stuff. He said, man, I got more business calls than I've ever had in my life. <laughs> he said, maybe that God, maybe that's God. We hear tithe and preach. We hear about giving beyond. And sometimes we think, man, I, you know, I don't want to do that. I, I mean, that's just not something I think I could do. We hear a preacher preach about forgiving those that are unkind to you. And you think, that's not my nature. I'd rather punch him in the eye. <laughs> and I can relate to that. There's a lot of Baptists I'd like to punch in the eye. But how do you come to all that? How do you hear all the preaching say, man, I just, I, I'm, I got so far to go. A preacher preaches about soul winning, and I have a hard time talking to people. A preacher preaches about serving, and I, you know, it's just, man, I, I, my days are so busy. How am I going to serve the Lord too? And you hear all of that kind of stuff. But I want you to understand that God gives us access to what's called the throne of grace in Hebrews 4 and verse 11. And God gives us His Spirit. And He's called the Spirit of Grace in Hebrews 10 9. And He gives us the Bible. And it's called the Word of His Grace in Acts 14 3. And His Spirit will teach you. And He'll enlighten you. And He'll comfort you. And He'll guide you. And He'll convict you. And He'll give you power. It's not us that's able to do it. But the Spirit of God can bring that life through us by His grace. He can take you. Or give you what you could never have on your own. That Corinthian church, they were worldly and struggling and they had made a promise about giving to the, to the poor in Jerusalem and they were dragging their feet. And, and finally Paul said to him, to him in 2 Corinthians 9, he says, the God of all, the, and God can give you the grace. God will give you the grace. You see, God's grace will do that work. Once we're saved, that grace continues to work. And he'll put in our hearts that divine influence to do what we ought to do in any given situation. You say, well, man, I can go party, live worldly, get drunk, do all that. It never bothers me any. Problem is you never got saved. When you get saved, the Spirit of God comes to live within your heart. He'll convict you about those things. And the grace of God will put that in your heart. You don't want to do that. It's not the right thing to do. I want you to see, number four, God's grace will keep you where you need to stay. Mephibosheth never left the palace. It's that continued divine influence that prompts faithfulness to the end. It's by the Spirit of, God, of grace that we are sealed to our final redemption. It's by the Spirit of grace that continues the work that He has begun in Philippians 1 and verse 6. Hebrews 13, 9 says, For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace. During all this crazy COVID stuff and all that, we live in Louisiana. Our home church is in Center, Texas. When I'm home from meetings, we'll drive an hour and 20 minutes to church. We'll stay all day Sunday there. They have a missions home we could stay in for the afternoon and drive back Sunday night. But there came a point when the governor of Texas sealed the border. We couldn't come across. And, you know, I'm recovering, recovering at that time from heart surgery, and we're, you know, then this COVID thing and all this happens, and, you know, we're at home. And so 
uh, we, we, you know, pulled it up online. I called my preacher. I said, I don't know what it is, Brother Dodson, but you just seem to preach a whole lot better when I got my shoes off and I'm in my easy chair. <laughs> he didn't appreciate that. I called him another time. I said, you know, it's been so long since we've been able to come in fellowship. I've just been missing you, so I came across. And, and so they got me down here at the jail and, and said, I got to quarantine 14 days at my pastor's house. <laughs> he said, good luck with that, buddy. <laughs> but my wife and I would listen to a lot of different sermons during that time. And, and uh, we listened to an old sermon by Brother Hiles many years ago. He was preaching about how that, he said, you know, I grew up, he said, my, my dad left us, he was a drunk. My dad chose a bottle of liquor over us. My dad left us and he said, um, when God called me to preach, he said, I had no, no thought that God could do much with me. I just felt in my heart I wanted to serve him. And he said, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a drunk's kid. I mean, what could I do? He said, you know, I had no mindset of building anything great or traveling around and preaching all that kind of stuff. I just, I just said, Lord, I read this in the, in the New Testament about this little lady that brought her, her daughter to get healing and, and, and she's at, sitting at the, the foot of the table and, and Jesus said, should I give meat to the dogs? And she said, well, I think you'd even give crumbs to the off the table to the dogs, wouldn't you? And he said, I read that and I thought, you know, Lord, I don't know that you could do much with me, but if you'll just let me hang around close enough to you, that you should give me some crumbs now and then. I just want to be near you and serve you. And what the grace of God did in his life, the pastor of church, about 20,000 people and travel all over the country have an influence for the glory of God. I'm just telling you, the grace of God will keep you where you need to be. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Number five, I want you to see that God's grace will remind us of him whom we must not forget. Mephibosheth didn't have to have, it wasn't hard for him to realize I'm totally dependent on the king. I have nothing else. I'm totally dependent on the king. And you know, the, the Bible tells us, look over at 1 Peter chapter 5 with me and we'll close. 1 Peter chapter 5, look at verse 10. It says, but the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make it perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. The God of all grace. Isn't that interesting? Because you see, 1 Peter is written to Christians who are under persecution. They're under suffering. And he's saying it's the God of all grace that will establish you. Because you see, in the trials and in the difficulties and in the struggles of life, God knows, the, 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 knowing the battle of our old flesh that constantly wars against spiritual things, God knows the trials and the difficulties help us to remember, I can't do it without you, Lord. I can't make it without you, Lord. And like Paul, he'll say, my grace will be sufficient. 
You see, His grace allows us to go through the hardships of life, allows us to go through the trials and the difficulties to remind us that we're not able on our own. We need Him each and every day. I say, the older I get, it seems like the more and more. I say, dear Lord, I don't want to go another minute without you, Lord. I love that song, Leaning, Leaning. And that's what the grace of God will allow us to go through those things to remind us we have somebody we better not forget. And that's the grace that the Lord Jesus Christ, we better lean on him every moment of every single day. I was preaching down in southern Louisiana. There was a man I've known for many, many years. And he's been a pastor down there and I preached for him a couple of times. He's now 80 years old. He had just turned the church over to his son-in-law who's a good man. I was preaching for another guy just about 30 minutes away from there. And uh, this man in his 80s, who's been faithful to the Lord all these years, he had a son in his 40s that was pastoring a church up in Indiana. He'd kind of gone a little different direction, but he was pastoring a church up there in Indiana. And he'd gotten on a, a ladder at the church and was trimming a tree. And the branch came off and it swung around and I don't know if it hit the ladder or hit him, but it knocked him off of the ladder into a little ravine. He hit his head on a rock and it killed him. This man who's 80 years old just resigned the church. He's got a lot of health problems, a lot of heart problems that he's had. And then his wife now has dementia and she doesn't even know him 90% of the time. And I thought, dear Lord, now he gets this news, his boy's been killed. I called him on the phone and I said, Brother, I know sometimes at a time like this you, you just don't really want to even talk to anybody or see anybody. And I, I get that. I just want you to know I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm about 30 miles away. If you'd like me to come by, I'd, I'd be glad to come by and see you. He said, I'd like you to come by. My wife and I went over there. We walked in and that man of God just sobbing. Tough. He's an old Marine drill sergeant. Still had that kind of demeanor about him. He's sobbing. He said, Brother Booth, I'm taking it worse than anybody. I said, Brother, give yourself a break. I said, man, your health is bad. Your wife doesn't even know you 90% of the time. You've got to take care of everything. And now you get a message that your son's died. I said, I understand. He said, last night, he said, I couldn't stop crying. He said, finally, I looked up and I said, Dear God, you promised to give me sufficient grace, and I'm telling you, it's not sufficient. And he said, Brother Booth, it was like a river of the peace of God came over me. And God's grace gave me that peace. And I'm doing okay. I'm telling you. The trials and the burdens, sometimes the Lord lets us get to the place where we realize, I can't make it, Lord. You ever gone through something where you just sat on, Lord, I can't make it another day if you don't help me. I got to have you. The grace of God. It will remind you of whom you must not forget. Apostle Paul, God's grace brought salvation on the Damascus Road that day. It took Paul to where he could have never dreamed of going and having such impact and influence for the Lord. Provided the power for a victorious life, kept him faithful. 
and kept him mindful that he needed the Lord and his grace would be sufficient. I just want to tell you this morning, with the death of a loved one, there's available amazing grace. The doctor's news isn't what you want to hear. There's still amazing grace available. When our heartache comes, God's grace is still amazing. It'll get you through. My dad was a World War II Marine. He was on Guam and Guadalcanal and saw a lot of action. He was my hero. My dad was boxed and played college football and was always athletic. My dad got a a strange virus when he was in his early 60s. And it crippled him. He was in the hospital for five months. And his legs never fully returned. His upper body did, but his legs did not. He was crippled or was um, paralyzed with his blind, eyes uh, open for about five months. From then until he was 91 and he went to heaven. He was in a wheelchair. But I'll never forget when I went out to see my dad. He was in the hospital. And I'd never seen him where he was disabled. I'd never seen him. He had never been one to ever ask for a dime from anybody. And I walked in that hospital and his muscles had totally atrophied. He couldn't roll. He couldn't do nothing. Couldn't scratch his nose. Couldn't do nothing. My mom was staying in a hospital uh, in a cot there next to his bed. She'd only leave to go check the mail and pay bills. And so I spent a couple weeks there. I'd never seen my dad in that condition. My dad that never had asked a dime from anybody had his ladies embroider a big, great big giant pillowcase thing and it was hanging on his wall in that Catholic hospital. And it said... And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace, freely bestowed on all who believe. You that are longing to see his face, will you this moment his grace receive? Let me say this. He'll always provide that grace, that divine influence for you to do the right thing in every given situation as a Christian. But can I tell you this? You have to receive it. You have to make the choice whether to respond to that divine influence. When the Lord's telling you, no, don't gossip about that person, you've got to respond and say, I'm not going to do it. When He's telling you, don't go to that place, you have to respond. He'll provide that grace to work. But God never forces himself on anybody. You'll have to respond and choose that right. Maybe this morning you're sitting here. If you died right now, you're not sure you'd go to heaven. Can I tell you that grace is sufficient for you to get saved this morning? And he wants you to come. It's freely been paid for. It's been paid for with his own blood, but it's freely offered to you. If you'll receive it this morning. What a foolish thing to walk out from here. Not sure you're going to heaven. And say I don't want it. But people do it all the time. And yet God's grace is available. Christian. 
You see the God's grace bringing you along in your Christian life? Or have you been ignoring that grace that He keeps prompting your heart to respond to? We don't have to wait until Wednesday night for revival to start. If we'll just let God do what He wants to do beginning this morning. Say, God, seal a decision in my heart this morning that will make a difference. Preacher said it's time to get back to commitments. The grace of God can make you, help you do that. Would you bow your heads for prayer, please?